Well, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Mark, chapter 11, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 10 of Mark 11. The title of the message is simply Palm Sunday. This week begins with today, Palm Sunday, and goes through Easter Sunday, which is next week, and it is known as the Week of Passion. That's how this week is designated. There are many events that took place in these eight days. I want you to listen to a, just a brief rundown of some of the amazing things that took place in a one-week period of time. There was the curse upon the fig tree. You've, you've heard of these things in the Bible. They all took place in a one-week period of time. The curse of, upon the fig tree, the cleansing of the temple. There was the driving out of money changers. There were three parables that were given by Jesus. There were also three trick questions from the Pharisees, the question about tribute money and the question about marriage in the resurrected life and the greatest commandments. These were all trick questions that were asked of Jesus during the week of of Passion. There was the widow's might in the temple. That was during the week of Passion. There was the Last Supper. There was Jesus washing the disciples' feet. There was the agony in Gethsemane. And then, of course, there was the betrayal of Judas by a a kiss. And there were the mock trials and the crucifixion and the resurrection. And all of this, just an overview, but it started with a triumphant entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem, a Sunday where men and women sang Hosanna, and they cast palm fronds Uh, before him. This is Palm Sunday. Our text, Mark chapter 11 and verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, uh, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and will send it uh, back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they said to them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread their leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. Well, here are four words that will help us to understand the week of passion. This will be what you will hear today. First of all, there was expectation, and there was jubilation, and there was confrontation, followed by a realization. And so there it is, expectation, jubilation, confrontation, all followed by a realization. First of all, the expectation. Jesus came into this Sunday with certain expectations. Now, He is infinite in His understanding. He is infinite God in His knowledge. He is infinite God in His power. And He certainly knew what the end of the week would bring. That being said, 
Jesus also knew that his final entry into Jerusalem was to be one of celebration. He understood this. He participated in this. He actually orchestrated this. And what he was about to do was difficult, but the outcome had already been set, and Jesus knew it as he came in. He was not duped. He was not uh, uh, snookered into coming in and, oh my goodness, what have they done? None of that. He knew already. And beyond that knowledge, Jesus had certain expectations. And those expectations, I think, play out in the the course of his triumphal uh, entry. He still has expectations for us today. Now, the first expectation was for Jesus and, and to expect our first and our best. That's what he expected on this, uh, the beginning of the week of triumph. Let me just go back to verse 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> at the Mount of Olives, <coughs> Jesus sent two of his disciples. Now, as Jesus neared Jerusalem, he sent two of his disciples <coughs> ahead to get something for him. They were to get for him a colt. Um, you could refer to it as a New Testament limousine, uh, an Uber, if you will. <clears throat> now, before we talk about all of that, I want us to see the action of simply sending these two to fetch something for Jesus. Here's what that tells me, first of all. Jesus is, is expecting our <clears throat> best service. Now, what is the best service that we give to Jesus? When do we give Jesus our best service? Well, let me just say a couple of things to you. I, I <clears throat> may or may not be true. It may or may not be true on this, uh, what I'm about to say, and, and uh, I, don't, I don't want you to, to uh, you know, hold up signs and say not true or anything like that. But I will tell you this, that at this stage in my life and ministry, I, have <clears throat> I was called to preach in 1973. And so, uh, one way or another, for 43 years, <clears throat> I have been preaching for 43 years. And uh, I continue to study. <clears throat> I continue to preach. Quite honestly, in many ways, though certain things may not be what they used to be, in many ways, I feel like that my preaching is better today than, than certainly it was 43 years ago, or 40 years ago, or 35 years ago, or even 24 years ago, <clears throat> when I came <clears throat> to be your pastor. Now, that being said, does that mean that was the best time of service for me as far as serving the Lord? Well, not necessarily. Our best service is when we, what we render to Jesus <clears throat> when He needs it and without hesitation. Our best <clears throat> service is when we say, yes, Lord, I hear what you're saying Yes, Lord, I'll do what you say. Do you remember the four responses that we had to doing the will of God? We had the no, no response, no, I'm, I'm not going to listen, and no, <clears throat> I'm not going to do what you say. Then there was the, the yes, no response, yes, I'm hearing, and yes, I'm going to do it, and then no, we don't do it. Then there is the <clears throat> no, yes response, that was the Jonah response where he said, no, I'm not going to do it. And then later he said, yes, I will do it. And then finally, <clears throat> the yes, yes response. Yes, Lord, I hear what you say. Yes, Lord, I will <clears throat> do it. This is the Isaiah response. That is the best response that we can give to God. 
Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, <clears throat> what difference should it make to any of us whether Jesus sends us to fetch a colt, sends us to build an ark, uh, calls upon us to teach a Sunday school class, to be an usher, or just to be friendly in church, or just to live our testimony on our job every day. Our best service is when we say, yes, Lord, I hear what you're saying to me, and yes, Lord, I will obey you. Now, like I said, we've just completed a series on God's appointments for us. For two of His disciples, they were appointed to go and fetch a donkey. Our first lesson on this Palm Sunday is that Jesus has an expectation of all of us in regard to His service, whether it's to lay palms before Him or to go fetch the colt, or to raise the colt that was fetched, everyone on the scene had a part that they were doing for Jesus, and they were doing their part. Not only does He expect our first uh, and our best, or our best, but He expects our first <clears throat> priority. Continuing on in our text, and say to them, go in, and, and He said to them, go into the village Uh, in front of uh, you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt on which no one has ever sat, untie it, and bring it. Now, this is kind of interesting to me. The very first time this colt had ever been used to carry anyone was to carry Jesus. And as far as I know, this is the very first time that Jesus had ever used a colt uh, upon which to travel. Uh, He walked most everywhere that He went, and but this time He would travel into Jerusalem uh, on a, uh, a, a colt or on a donkey. Uh, it, it maintains a pattern for Jesus. Jesus was all about first things. Uh, first of all, Jesus was born of a virgin. Uh, he's all about first things. I doubt seriously that anyone had ever used that manger that day uh, for the place to lay a newborn baby, <laughs> but Jesus was laid there. And Jesus would be laid in a borrowed tomb. He'd be the first to go in this tomb. And sure enough, Jesus is the first to ride this this donkey. So there is a a blessing uh, that is given when we obey the Lord and we fulfill the Lord's expectations of our first and our best. First of all, the, the disciples, they gave Him their best service. They immediately went. And this colt was the first one that had ever, uh, Jesus was the first to ever be, uh, to sit on this colt. What is our further expectations of Jesus? Well, secondly, there is our compelling cooperation. When Jesus has an expectation of us, He has the expectation that we're going to be compelled to cooperate with Him. Look at verse 3. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. Now, without hesitation, Jesus expects us to yield who we are and what we are and what we have to His service. And and He doesn't expect there to be a struggle with that. He expects that to be immediately. And why why is that? Well, here's the reality. Whoever we are and whatever we have is a gift from God. Now, here's your little interesting thought. Maybe you've never had this. This colt was not on loan to Jesus from that man. This colt was on loan to that man from Jesus. 
the colt was already his before he sent someone to fetch it. He had, <clears throat> that was his colt. The earth is his and all that's in it is his. And he said, I want you to go, <clears throat> and there is a colt there, and I want you to bring that colt to me. Well, how could he say that? Well, it was already his colt. And, and he expected <clears throat> there to be cooperation. The, the, the colt is, is something of value, but it had more value once Jesus had used it. How much was the colt worth that had not been broken? How much more was it worth after it had been ridden on by, by the master? I guess I would ask this. Are we compelled to cooperate with Jesus in our lives? Are we compelled to do that? <clears throat> once, once Jesus has reign in our lives, our value, our stock goes up. We become better at who we are and better <clears throat> at what we do. And, and everything about us becomes better when <clears throat> we yield what we have to the Lord and we say, okay, I am in a compelling cooperation with the Lord. That's his expectation. He expects our first and our best. What does he expect? He expects our compelling cooperation. What does he expect? He expects our obedient faith. Now let's continue reading our text and begin now in verse 3. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those disciples there said to him, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them that Jesus, <clears throat> what Jesus said, and they let them, <clears throat> they let them go. Now, <clears throat> this is interesting. First of all, God had already worked <clears throat> in the hearts of those who were in charge of the colt. He had already worked in their hearts. This, this was, wasn't a sales job <clears throat> that had to be done. He had already gone before. Jesus knew <clears throat> that there would be no protest. There might be some questions, and he prepared for, them, for the questions, but he knew <clears throat> that he had prepared the way. Now, here was his expectation, that the disciples go with the full assurance that what he had asked them to do, <clears throat> that they could do. Really, really important for us to see that, that what he asked them to do, they could do. God always prepares the way. Where he leads us, <clears throat> he enables us. It's the part of the promise of his empowerment. You remember this promise? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, there is <clears throat> a command, an expectation with an enabling. Again, in Matthew 28 and verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, <clears throat> even to the end of the age. Do you see what that is? That is an expectation with an enabling. That's the way the Lord works. He has an expectation of us and he gives us an enabling. Some of you will remember my friend, <clears throat> uh, Terry Samples. Terry Samples has preached here for me a couple of times, and, and Terry uh, has preached in all sizes of, he's been pastor of all sizes of churches, and, and he's had <clears throat> some very large churches, and some churches are not large at all. And, and Terry <clears throat> is a 
really fine preacher. He is a really, really good preacher. And some of you may remember <clears throat> Terry Samples when he preached here. Here's something that you, you may not know about Terry unless you remember me telling you before. <clears throat> Terry is pretty close to an extreme introvert. Uh, Terry uh, just <clears throat> does not interact with people, doesn't enjoy interacting with people. It's, it's hard for him to interact with people. But <clears throat> God called him to preach. And when God called him to preach, guess what? There was an enabling of his ability to preach. So that Terry now is one of the finest preachers that I've ever heard. Terry has a riveting, <clears throat> just a riveting message that he preaches. And when God has an expectation of your life or of my life, an expectation for us, the way we live, the way we give, whatever it is, he enables <clears throat> what he is, expects. Here's the second thing. There was expectation and there was jubilation. Now, next weekend, <clears throat> when you see or participate in the Passion Play, here's what I hope. I hope that you'll be struck with the enormous change in the mood of the people all in one week. Now, you'll see it all in a matter <clears throat> of, of moments because you'll see a depiction of the triumphal uh, entry and the majesty of Jesus is, <clears throat> is just magnificent as uh, it is portrayed by Tom LaDuke and, and <clears throat> as Jesus comes in. And, uh, and, and knowing that the end is near and the horrific <clears throat> nature of that ending, Jesus still embraces the joy. He, he weeps over the city. He purifies the temple of God. He is God and he will not be <clears throat> dissuaded from the task. There was a time that he came into jubilation. He absolutely knew beyond the shadow of a doubt what the end of the week would, br would bring. He knew everything that would happen, <clears throat> yet he participated in the jubilation. That's a big deal. It's a really big thing. Look, let's take a look at this <clears throat> jubilation. First of all, he was encircled by joy. In verse 9, and those who went before <clears throat> and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were shouting, Hosanna, uh, he is coming. Hosanna, they, ex they didn't really, uh, many of them realized that he was uh, the Savior, yet they cried, <clears throat> Hosanna. And look how they surrounded him with, with singing and praises and, and, and joy and, and rejoicing. It's, it's amazing, really. I mean, it is phenomenal to see the way that they just go on and on and on. He is not only encircled by joy, he's enriched <clears throat> by their praise. Verse 9, and those who went before him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, <clears throat> blessed is he who came, comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the, in the highest. The words just <clears throat> continue. And how fitting that this one who made himself of no reputation would would hear these praises and be privileged to hear these praises. Later on, the, the Pharisees are going to try and stifle the praises. Later on, the Pharisees are going to say, look, stop these people. They're in a, a frenzy. You should, you should stop them from offering up all of these praises to you. And to which Jesus said, I tell you, if these were silent, <clears throat> the very stones would cry out. So Jesus knew full well what was going on on this day, on this, this uh, time of Palm Sunday. And it was a, a joy for him. It was a jubilation for him. He was in, encircled by joy. He was enriched by praise. And he was empowered 
<clears throat> by prayers. Now let's, let's take another look at this and look specifically at the word Hosanna. The word Hosanna <clears throat> means save us, we pray. When they said Hosanna, they were saying save us, we <clears throat> pray. Now let's read those two verses again, but this time substitute the meaning for the word. And, and, and let me back up and say this. They thought their salvation was for him to be king. He knew that their salvation was for him to be the sacrifice. Either way, they were praying the right prayer. Even unadvisedly, they were praying the right prayer. <clears throat> Let's read it again. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Save us, we pray. Blessed is he who comes <clears throat> in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Save us, we pray, in the highest. In their jubilation, they were offering prayers to Jesus. And if you could place yourself in that, <clears throat> in that setting, and the crowd around you crying out, save us, we pray, what would be your response? <clears throat> How would you respond to that, to them crying out, save us, we pray, save us, we pray? He knew what they meant, but they didn't know what they meant. In Luke 19 and verse 10, we see what his response was. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That was his response to the save us, we pray. He said, that's why I'm here. I'm here to seek and to save the lost. Hosanna was what he came to do, to save them from their sins. There was jubilation, and it was such that the humility of Jesus must have been encouraged, uh, especially since the nature of their praise was in harmony with the desire of his heart. There was expectation, and there was jubilation, and then comes the confrontation. Here it is. Jesus said that in this world we will have tribulation, and you might expect that in doing his ministry there's going to be confrontation. And the praises hadn't even died down until the confrontation came. You know, <clears throat> typically in, during the Passion Play, uh, a lot of times I'll stand at the back because of the, the role that I play and I need to be able to move around and get up here and so on. And I, I stand at the back. And here's, here's what's kind of a, an unusual thing. Every time <clears throat> during the, the uh, Palm Sunday scene, as they're laying the palms, I'm thinking to myself, and it, it does, it always registers in my head, you know, it's not going to be any time until they're going to be calling out, crucify him. This tremendous swing, <clears throat> this tremendous change, this tremendous confrontation. And the same people who a week earlier were crying, save us, we pray, are now crying, crucify him. And how does this happen? How do these kinds of things uh, take place? Well, there's always the Pharisees. Maybe I, I should say that there will always be <clears throat> Pharisees. There's always going to be people who are crying out for a much different thing than what God is crying out for. And while the praises were ringing, the Pharisees, they were scheming as to how to uh, stop all of this praise. I referenced this earlier from uh, Luke 19, 39, and some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke <clears throat> your disciples. Let's not give you too much praise. Let's calm these people down. Let's not get too excited. 
These people, yes, they're worked up over you, but they're too worked up over you. I hope that, that as a church family, that we never become people who cannot allow other people to praise the Lord, even if it's not the same way that we do. Um, on uh, the, the funeral service on Thursday. The funeral service on Thursday was primarily Pentecostal. It, it was not primarily, ba- it was Bapticostal. That's, <clears throat> that's what it was. And there were a lot of people in, in this service that were far more demonstrative than you are right now. In, in fact, Slugs would be more demonstrative than some of you are <clears throat> right now. I debated. I went through several different uh, members of the animal kingdom before I came up on that. But you understand. <clears throat> but it was far more demonstrative than, you know. And, and there were people standing up during the funeral service and raising their hands. And, uh, and it, there was... You know, I couldn't hear everything that was going on in the pew, but some of you told me there was some excitement going on in the pew <clears throat> out there as well. And there was more that could have happened. Uh, I, I had a guy <clears throat> walk up to me, and, and uh, <clears throat> he, he, he had a real red face and, and real white hair and a real white beard, and he had this thing slung over his shoulder. And uh, he said, uh, when should I blow this? This was before the service. He said, when should I blow this? And I said, well, what is it? <clears throat> he said, it's a chauffeur. And I went, oh. and uh, he said, I, this is what I do. At what point in the service should I, I blow it? I said, no, I don't think you should. <clears throat> he said, well, this is what I, I do is I, I, I blow this. And, and he said, there's not going to be a place in the service. I said, no, there's not going to be a place in the service. And I said, now, if you want to go out on the lawn after it's over and while we're tolling the bells, you want to blow that thing, blow it. I got a little nervous, to be honest with you. I mean, because I, I was okay with, with the, the raising your hands and jumping up. I'm fine with all that. I was, you know, if somebody took off running, I'd be okay. I'd be, the, the aisles would pop with all this plastic on it, but it'd be all right. <clears throat> We'd have some a popping service, uh, so I, I decided I'd talk to Dustin and and John, um, two of of uh, Bob's sons, and I, I, I Dustin and John out here in the in the back, and I said, guys, there there's a fellow in there. This is before the service. There's a fellow in there. That, you're loving this, aren't you? There's a there's a fellow in there that that's got a red face and a white beard, and he's got something hanging over his shoulder. And, and Dustin said, a shofar. And I said, <laughs> that, that you have to understand, that's exactly the way Dustin talked. A shofar. And I said, yeah. I, he said, he wants to blow that thing, doesn't he? I said, yeah, he does. And I said, I'm not into it. He said, no, he ain't going to blow that thing. And I said, well, I think he is. He said, no, that's been my job and my services for the last several years is to Stop people from blowing those things during the service. 
And I said, well, would you tell him to stop? He said, I'll take care of it, preacher. He ain't going to blow that thing at daddy's service. <laughs> daddy wouldn't want that. I said, well, then you take care of that. Keep that away from me. He said, all right. <laughs> sure enough, I saw St. Nick walking across the back, and, and he sat down. And he never, never blew it. I, you know, I mean, I, there's, I'm, is there a setting for that? Yeah, but it was probably thousands of years ago. But... Uh, but even still, even still, uh, these, these people were praising the Lord, and the Pharisees, or they were calling out Hosanna, and the Pharisees wanted it stopped. I hope I wasn't a Pharisee by not wanting that shofar. Uh, but, but uh, by the way, let me just stop here. If, if you didn't come to that service, we reached a point, and... and I said, I'm going to ask Dustin to come up here and give you all an invitation to pray to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. And that old boy got up here, and the first thing he did was held up a sheet of paper like this. He said, y'all see this? I love talking like him. Y'all see this? This is my daddy's hit list. This, this is the hit list. These are the people that need to be saved, and daddy's going to come and get you saved. And most of you in this service here, so we're just going to do it right now. And he went on. He gave invitation. He said, now, I want you to raise your hand. Now, stand up. Now, look at me. And then there were some that wasn't. He said, there's still not some names on here. He said, I want you to know I'm coming after you. It was awesome. Wasn't Wasn't that awesome? It was awesome. The Pharisees were always the Pharisees, but Jesus is always the Christ. Again, he said in verse 40 of Luke 19, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Jesus is not going to change who he is just because or you or me or somebody else gets a little unsettled. Jesus is the son of the everlasting God. And as long as evil and righteousness are in the world, there will be confrontation. As long as Satan is loose on the earth, there will be confrontation. As long as there is praise, there will be those that are trying to stop the praise. And on this Palm Sunday in this, this Passion Week, there was expectation, jubilation, confrontation, and then finally there was this realization. Around all of the palm fronds being laid before Jesus and the praises being sung, there were some realities to consider. First of all, the king was soon to die. They didn't really know that, but he did. And even those to whom he had told it didn't really get it, but he did. That was the realization on that Palm Sunday, the realization that the king was soon to die. The Last Supper was in the cupboard The Last Supper was already in its place somewhere waiting for Jesus and his disciples. There was a prayer that was already in his heart. What was that prayer? It was the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus said, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. What took place on this Palm Sunday Well, the realization was that the king was soon to die and the last supper was in the cupboard and the prayer was in his heart and the sacrifice was at hand. 
it would not be long before the King of kings and the Lord of lords would give himself a sacrifice for our sins. On this Palm Sunday, they shouted, Hosanna, save us, we pray. By the end of the week, they would nail Jesus to the cross of Calvary. And three days later, he would raise from the dead and salvation would be complete. As I was finishing this sermon in my study a few weeks ago now, I reached to the end and I, I just wrote down these words from a song that is so powerful and has been so long. I won't sing the song. I can barely speak. I certainly won't sing the song. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, hallelujah. His heart was broken on Calvary. His hands were nailed, scarred. His side was riven. He gave his life's blood for even me. The beginning of the end was on a day when he victoriously rode into Jerusalem on a borrowed colt with people shouting out, save us, we pray. And by the end of the week, salvation had been purchased.